0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of Network to Code on Network Collective. The network automation community is continuously expanding and evolving. In this episode, we will discuss the NetDevOps survey, which is a collection of information about the state of Net DevOps. We've got some really great information for you, and we'll get to that right after this quick break. Hi, I'm Rick Sherman with Network to Code. Co-hosting today with me is Jordan Martin from Network Collective. We've got Francois Keen from Cisco, and as well as Damien Garros from Network to Code. So, guys, we're going to talk about the Net DevOps survey today, and that's a you know a piece of information that I find really informative. And so, I would love to kind of hear like what is the Net DevOps survey.
1: So, hey, good morning, guys. Um, the Net DevOps survey is a community project with the intent of surveying the, the world of network engineers and finding out how they use network automation and um, in their day-to-day job um, and i want to deep dive a little bit on what i mean by a uh, community because um we decided to run this in a somewhat unique manner it's very much ran like an open source project damien started it um, um, back in 2016 and um, the survey has actually ran twice it ran once in 2016 and once in 2019 and both times the uh, the entire questions the list of questions that they're that asked of Uh, respondents, is created by a community that lives on Slack, that communicates using Twitter, and um, that also has all the information on GitHub. So everything is designed and ran as if it were an open source software project. and the reason behind that is while some of us work for manufacturers, I mean, I won't hide the fact I worked for Cisco, Damien worked for, for Juniper when he started that effort, and we moved around and all that. It's really not a vendor backed project, it's very much a grassroots community project. We've collaborated with people regardless of who they work for. The goal is really to have a um, widely open, pool of information uh, that we can all access the raw data from, um, and we can all draw our own analysis of the, the results without having any vendor uh, slant or, or, or marketing design behind it. So that's it from a high level. Damien, you want to tell us a bit about how you got started and your, your vision for this originally?
2: Yeah, no, you, I think you covered um, a lot of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, 2016, we, we really didn't have a lot of uh, information. I was a Juniper promoting automation. I, I really wanted to understand what you know people were doing out there. So, uh, p- kind of bullish, I reached out to um, I think my counterpart at Cisco at Cumulus at Arista. I actually, reached out to Jason at Network to Code. Everybody um, got really excited, and we just got together, put everything. Uh, and that's actually interesting because when it started. GitHub wasn't really uh, that uh, popular or in a lot of people. It was just getting started in the network automation. So initially, we actually were just working together on Slack, and uh, and everything was very manual, and, um, and that's probably why we we didn't have an edition in two thousand seventeen or eighteen. It's like, in, in the first editions, took a lot of time to uh, to process, to clean up, to run. And when uh, when Francois reached out in nineteen, it was like, man, we really get a refresh those those data that we we got. And then I think we really took it to the next level. And we we actually now have most of the, the interactions on GitHub, and really going the full intent for the the open source uh, model, which uh, I think was really the missing part in uh, in two thousand sixteen. Yeah, the
1: the way I came into it was um, I started as a consumer of the 2016 survey. I've been presenting about Ansible at uh, Cisco Live, which is our our big conference, um, since 2017. And I found honestly using Google, uh, uh, an analysis that a third party had done of the 2016 survey. And that's the great thing. Back in 2016, random people out in the industry were taking the data from the 2016 survey and writing blog posts about it. I found a nice graph that was showing Ansible usage, and I started using it. And by 2019, it was starting to feel like old data. And I was wondering, hey, is there new data? Why is nobody running a 2019 survey? So that's when I reached out to you, Damien, and we're like, yeah. But let's do it again. Let's let's fire up the community and do it again.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because in the in the DevOps community, you've got the state of DevOps report that Puppet does, another one that that Dora does, right? All of these things are are well defined for several years, but they seem to omit a lot of the other pieces of infrastructure that aren't servers and and applications. So, you know, this is a net DevOps survey, correct? This is only really about <clears throat> network automation. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And and to be fair, like now actually
2: we're seeing like, I think uh, I've seen a f- few reports now around network automation type survey. Uh, like Juniper did one uh, called Sonar. There's a uh, Gartner did one, I think. Yeah, So we're seeing some and I think it's, it's good. What I really like this was now is that uh, it is open source and anybody can contribute. Like for example, on this edition, uh, there was a complete new section that we added on the survey about how our people actually getting started into automation. For how long have they been doing automation? You know, uh, how many hours did they had to invest to learn automation? Since we, we didn't have type of questions we didn't have the, the first time. And, and these sections came out of a conversation on Twitter. Two people were discussing. Somebody was like, I really wish I had this information. And somebody threw the idea, hey, why don't we put that in the survey? And really, it started like that. And we did a couple of iterations on the questions. And 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 I, I loved, actually, I loved the feedback we got from those questions. And I, I think that's, you know, even if now we have a, a different landscape than, than why we started this idea of, Having something community-driven and open-source uh, has a lot of benefit. It has a lot of challenges as well. I'm sure we're going to touch on some of them during the, the, the discussion today. But uh, this idea that yeah, it's it's open to a lot of people to contribute. It's, uh, I think it's really it's really what's great about it.
3: I have some questions around the people. Um, so how, how do people know that the survey exists? You know what what, what are the number of respondents here? Because I mean, oftentimes surveys can be subject to um of uh, biases and selection and those types of things so I'm kind of curious like how how does this get out there and how is it how how do people know that that it's out there and and how do people get involved?
1: So I think this would be a good time for us to to give a, a bit of a disclaimer. We're not professional survey runners. We're not professional um, <laughs> of course not. Yeah. statistic guys we're we're, we're network dudes, <laughs> right data
3: points, yeah, it's data points yeah. right. you're just gonna so, figure out what people are thinking.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so if somebody who's like a professional survey person from like forest or something were to hear us, they'd be like, "Those guys are buffoons." Okay, we, we I won't pretend anything other than that. <laughs> um, so that disclaimer in place, uh, because this is a community project, we used our social networks to advertise that. We used Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, I did a blog post on on the Cisco website. Other people did blog posts, that kind of stuff. It was very much social media, word of mouth, no uh, marketing dollars, which um, which is both good bad. Um, We only reached out some of the people who knew and who care about automation. So I think, I think our data is probably biased uh, pro-automation because if you're a network, an average network engineer who hasn't started down that journey yet, you probably dismiss this. Um, so I, I think we're we're careful when we talk about our responses. We, we'll say things like 70% of respondents, not 70% of network engineers, right? And I, yeah. I think our data is, is biased a little bit pro-automation for that reason. Um, the other thing is um, because we're... A, a, the, the, the two of us leading there, there are a couple of French guys living in America our, our social network is very much US and Europe centric and um, we saw that when we were one of the questions we asked is where are you from just continent wise okay this oh I didn't say it's an anonymous survey I'm sorry I should specify that this is an anonymous survey we collected very little information about the humans responding no email address this is not a spam list it's not a vendor survey anything like that but very clearly um, Asia is underrepresented we, we got a good chunk of response from Europe, a good trip from the U.S. And um, one thing I started thinking about for the, the 2020 edition is how do we reach more into Asia? There's a couple billion people there who who I think we didn't reach due to social circles and language. So that, that, that's something we we have to think about.
2: And, and yeah, to, to add to that, actually, I think we're we right on, on the, the challenges of running a community survey. You, you pointed out, is like getting the word out. Um, and I personally, I, I think it's really the... What we need to improve, like for the next edition like is really, I'd love to have um, a group of uh, partners, like uh, you know, reach out to Juniper and and Cumulus and Arista and Cisco and have those company helping us promote, like without ha- us having to pay them, but just because they also have an interest and you know everybody uh, is actually very interested to get those data, so we could create that in the open and have everybody promote as individual, but also as as company. Uh, for me, that will be the that will be the best. If we can get there, and if we can get thousands, tens of thousands of answers, then then we'll be in a, in an amazing place.
1: Yeah, because we we got both in 2016 and 2019, right around 300 responses to give you an idea of the scope. So it's it's a good sampling. It's it's we got people from a variety of sizes of network. We asked how many people. How many devices people automate, and we got a good spread from very small to very large, and and a lot in the medium. You know, we got a bell curve of of network sizes. Um, but yeah, I I completely agree with Damien. Yeah. Um, I'd like to have thousands of people respond. You know, the we're a community network engineers in the world is probably I don't know. I'm going to make this up. 100,000 people, 200,000 people. Um, I'd like to get more more responses next
0: time. And so, I mean, the survey, you started organically, it's grown organically. I think in a lot of ways, network automation has also kind of grown organically. So although you have a subset of, of all the network engineers, and it is maybe a little biased towards those that are pro-automation, what are some of the things that you're actually gleaning from these people? Like, What, is, what does their journey look like today?
2: Yeah, so the, the, the first questions in the survey uh, was really, what type of operations are you automating? And uh and in this case we actually provided a list of I think certain use cases that we identified like uh configuration generations, configuration deployment, uh are you doing troubleshooting, compliance check, pre- and post change, uh are you doing you know D zero provisioning or or ZTP, software upgrade, troubleshooting, anomaly detection, fault remediations, and I think with software qualifications. I might have missed one or two, but we started with these questions just to understand what are what are people actually doing and then we actually for kind of almost each of them uh we have some questions where we're trying to understand what tools are uh, are they using uh, for those specific use cases and to understand if we're seeing you know similar tools use or or not so so that's kind of the the main part of the of the survey um as i mentioned earlier we also have another section uh, now which is about how did you get got started into a network automation? How your company got started into network automation? Uh, and we have a third sections that I, I found uh, very interesting, which is about we call that the trend. It's more since the first section was very really tr- tool centric. We try to make the other one more uh, topic cent- or uh, topic centric. Like um, what do you think of infrastructure as code? Is that something you're already deployed? You're thinking about? You're interested about? You're testing? You don't even know what that is or you have no plan for it. Like, I think it was um, things like that. And, and and actually, that gave us a very, very good insight on, on what people are thinking and what they are deploying. And and now that we can compare between 2016 and 19, it's super interesting to see the topic that really, you know, got a lot of adoptions, the one that everybody's talking about, but actually very little people are actually doing. Uh, so it's, uh, it's very interesting.
0: Yeah, so I mean, there's some of that imposter syndrome that 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 folks might have that are going down the network automation journey like you know i feel like i'm behind uh, i'm not doing the things that everybody else is doing does that survey dispel some of that imposter syndrome like where where are folks actually at today
1: yeah i think um i think it does to some degree because one of the questions that we asked was how many years have you been doing the network automation for and i was pretty surprised by the results, about two-thirds of respondents. So we're talking about people who took the time to answer a survey about network information, right? Two-thirds of respondents have been doing this for less than two years. So I think we're we're still at a point where most people are getting started. You know, the, the number of people who have been doing this for more than two years is is very small. The number of people who have been doing it for more than five years was 8%. Um, and so I think it, for me, it, it painted a picture of um, different landscape of where people are with network automation today. I think if you remove the, the the mega scale companies from Silicon Valley, you know the Facebooks and Googles that have had SREs for 15 years and that kind of stuff, if you remove that and you just look at what I'm going to call enterprise, small, medium business, you know, the, the, the majority and number of network engineers out there, most of them are just getting started. Some of them are into the second phase, maybe of this. And let me explain what I mean by that. A lot of them, when we ask what the use cases were, um, a lot of the use cases were centered around configuration management, all all the different flavors of configuration management. But it seems pretty clear that people start with configuration management. And and if we want to tie that into a tools discussion, people start managing configuration with Ansible. I mean, if you take your average network engineer and you try to paint that picture of how people get started, the majority of people start managing configuration using Ansible, and they do that for a couple of years. two thirds of the people out there are are in that in that state right now they're they're at the beginning of that journey and then there's there's a small percentage uh, a quarter to a third who are in the second phase of that journey and they're doing other things with automation troubleshooting fault remediation what I'm going to call the the advanced use casing N- not because they're harder or anything but because it doesn't seem to be where people start i I think people start with the biggest pain point i need to change an ntp server on a thousand switches Uh, it's it's the 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 really basic things that people had to do by hand The, the data is showing us that people start with that kind of basic things and then after that they ask themselves what else can we do um
2: one thing that came up in the survey, that's something I see on my on my day to day job, is the uh, compliance checks and uh, pre and post change validations are are uh, are really picking up. We really saw a big increase, like in uh, in the latest results, like we had almost forty percent. The participants say they were doing a compliance check, and and it's usually a good place to get started because. That, it, that helps you to identify what you need to change. So usually, you will do compliance check for your NTP. And then you will actually start using something to uh, remediate that and, and make those change in an automated way, which goes along your story in terms of, uh, of configuration. But yeah, the uh, compliance check, principles, uh, change uh, to um, <clears throat> to topic that really grew faster than, than the other um, between 2016 and 2019.
1: And and if I can go back to to Rick's question about uh, humans and and imposter syndrome, one of the questions that we asked was, h- what actions did you take to transition to network automation? And ninety plus percent of respondents learned on their own. Um, that the, the, <laughs> the next just option was that
3: question. like it, like it sticks out like a sore thumb to me that this is a like almost a, a grassroots effort rather than uh than a coordinated you know the enterprise is going this direction. Uh, a very large majority said they learned on their own rather than having it be yeah. something as, as part of the job. I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but that was, I was kind of waiting to drop in there because that was the one that stuck out to me like a big red flag. Like, wait a minute, like this isn't, this, is, this doesn't seem to be companies that are pushing this. And again, you have to think about who's answering the question. And these are highly motivated people who are pro automation, like you stated earlier. Um, but that's really interesting to me.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. 90% of them uh, learn on their own, 45% took a class. So, so I think if you're a network engineer out there, and and you're not getting uh, a strategy from your employer, you're not getting support, you're you're just on your little island, starting to do your own little automation. You're actually not alone. Most people are like you, you know. So go, go ahead, uh, Damián.
2: No, uh, what? Because I think the other response was to be 15 uh, percent say they hired a, a network automation engineer, uh, dedicated, and uh, and less than 10 percent, you know, consider consulting, uh, hiring a, a consulting firm. And again, back to you know my my own experience. What I'm saying is, for a lot of company, and that's really what we see in the surveys, the strategy is, when i gonna take my network engineers, and I'm gonna give them time or has them to learn, and that will be my strategy. And and I'm I'm certainly biased. Like I I used to be the guy that got hired as a as a dedicated network automation engineer, and now I'm part of a consulting firm, so of course I'm biased. But I I actually. I cannot explain how you know of a different approach of bringing somebody that has expertise expertise to get started in this journey makes makes complete different, and it's surprising that more people are not picking that up by now. It's like uh, it's still very it's taking a lot of time to uh, to come up. So that that was interesting for me to take that out of the survey. And,
0: well, and it's interesting, too, because I've worked at network vendors. I've worked at automation tool vendors and now a consulting firm. And it it seems to me that there has been a message that is really starting to resonate in the vendor base, which is this is automation. This is the path forward. You know, I give Cisco a ton of credit around the creation of, of DevNet. You know, Juniper has Enginet. There's a few other different different resources out there. Um, I, I do know that Ansible also picked up on the 2016 results and had that as part of their 2016 or 2017 Ansible Fest, you know, they really touted that as, as a success. Um, is this kind of cyclic, right? Are we, are we getting this data to see where we're at? Is this feeding back into what vendors are, are, uh, saying is the path forward or is it still entirely, uh, focused internally, right? Like the, the people that are consuming the report are also the same people that are providing data for it. It's a good question. I
2: I wouldn't know. Uh, we definitely see interest from the vendors, um, but um, I uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if I can provide a complete picture on that.
1: Yeah, that's I would say that's one of the downside of the the anonymous survey. And I'm a bit of a paranoid guy. I was having discussions with Demian online of hey, is vendor X going to try to stuff the ballot and have like every office assistant respond, yes, I use this tool because it's the best tool. We we looked at results, uh, we, we sanity checked them at a high level, it, we didn't get the sense of that. Um but uh, so I'm getting I'm getting the sense that the people who respond are random network engineers, and the way the responses were trickling in, I got the same thing. Um, I,
0: was more, I was more thinking in terms of if if Cisco, for example, sees a certain tool is popping up, right? Are they going to spend more energy around supporting that tool versus another tool? Are they changing their story? You know that say, hey, you know what? Here's here's these people that are really starting to look at. Uh, Know troubleshooting. Maybe we should spend more time figuring out how to do troubleshooting. I mean, obviously Cisco is where you work, and you might have some some inference from that. But also, you know, Damien, are you hearing other vendors that are starting to talk about this more just out in the market? Okay. So I can't
1: speak for Cisco as a strategy as a whole. Just to be clear, I'm I'm here as a. On my own time, uh, but I'll say in in some of the DevNet training that that I've helped deliver myself to customers and partners and all that, um, I'm I've seen an increase in Ansible content. When when I when I take Cisco created material and that that material is available on on the DevNet website, um, and I go teach people about. Um, uh, Day center, switching automation um router automation that that sort of stuff uh, there's there's pre-made modules by Cisco devnet that that use ansible and and also um that's most of the co- language we use 95% of it is is python and um i'm not going to say it's because somebody at cisco looked at the at the 2016 survey i think it's it's the the same uh, the same wave that's happening in, in, the, in the automation community that is really pushing uh, Python and Ansible forward. The, the results that we show were 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 really, really obvious on that. For me, the, one of the main takeaways I had from the survey is that if you want to become a network automation engineer, you should, on your resume, have two things that are considered foundational skills, even if your next employer won't use them. It's it's Python and Ansible. Th- those two things have reached such a critical mass that, um, you. the same way you can't be a network engineer without knowing basic spanning tree, you can't be a network engineer today without knowing basic Ansible and basic Python, I would say, based on the, the numbers from the survey. Yep.
2: For me, like being already day-to-day network automation I, I use those numbers to identify the uh, the uh, the trend like what is really going to be the, the tool like i'm more interested about what is going to be the the successful tool tomorrow uh to make sure we invest in that so um again i'm i don't want to speak for the the network to code strategy overall but uh, my own strategy and strategy on my team i definitely look at that like for example uh, uh two solution that um we're seeing a lot of interest, uh, a lot of growth. Uh, nornier nor near as, as an automation framework. So it's a, a project that got started by uh, David Barroso, and now we got actually uh, let's just think uh, four or five people like Kirk Byers. There's uh, uh, Dimitri, there's a uh, few few people that are actually helping now, has uh, seen a, a huge increase and a huge success in the last couple of years. Actually, for me, that was one of the, the biggest takeaway. I, I, I'm I seeing the conversation, but seeing the number has been really impressive. And and when we look at this trend section I was talking about, it looks like we have in even more people that are looking at it that are interested. So all the signs are showing that Nornir is going to be really big uh so we're already working on it but definitely i think uh i personally think we should uh, something we should double down uh we saw big increase of uh, solstack as well uh it's actually amazing like all the the, the work from uh, mercia uh when he was at um at cloudflare and now at uh, digital ocean but he uh, did an amazing job on, on getting uh cell stack really uh a really strong solution for uh, for uh, network automation. Uh, and the last one that for me was also um, interesting to see is a lot of interest around network validation, network verification. So the tools like uh, Batfish and Forward Networks and all those solutions like we're inside the bubble of network automation community. We hear about them, but clearly, uh, there's a lot of interest out there to, uh, to use that as well. So that's my. My 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 three four projects really watch closely in the, even more in the next uh, months and years.
3: I found it really that. interesting that in here there's um there's like when you look at the tools you kind of go step by step through all the different tools and what people are using. Almost all of them were a net positive gain. are very few that actually kind of went backwards. And so that's it. I think this is really obviously Some some saw a lot more you know interest in 2019 than 2016. Um, but overall, adoption across the board seemed to have gone up.
2: Are you picking on Rick here? <laughs>
3: <laughs> because Ouch. there's, there's Ouch. actually
2: <laughs> there's actually one, two that uh, that went
0: down. Yeah, uh, I noticed. I wasn't I wasn't, wasn't going to
3: call him out, but <laughs> apparently uh, apparently it might be a short spot here, so maybe that'll be a little bit fun. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah I'll, I'll I'll even I'll even play a guest on it a little bit. So in my in my previous life, I was at Puppet and was focused on the network automation strategy, and being on that side of the fence and seeing the data change um obviously this report happened after i left um it does it does show to me though that that the community has a voice right that there is data that you can glean from this report that was kind of why i led with a little bit of that vendor question is that you know this is this is real people this is what they're doing in their day-to-day life and and these are the problems that are are close to them this is the approach that they're taking to solve these problems And so I I think it's so interesting, you know, that that Damien's talking about the ability to I don't want to say predict the future, but to see what the trends are moving towards. And so, you know, I think it's really uh, it's really neat to kind of have that foresight uh, because previously this was kind of the wild wild west, right? You were organically learning these these tools. You know, you're picking things up. There's not a lot of information on the internet. Now it's 2020. There's there's a lot more blog posts. There's podcasts. There's reports. You know, we have a little bit more community around these things and so moving towards the 2020 survey it sounds like you guys are going to do one right oh yeah,
2: yeah definitely
1: yeah absolutely and i think um like damien said one of the reasons for which um he he didn't wasn't part of doing Anything like that for a couple of years was the amount of work that it was last time. I think it almost killed you, Damien, right? <laughs> and um, and so Damien this time um, really invested a lot of time in uh, tooling to uh, automatically generate graphs and reports out of the survey results. And I, I want to be clear: you can, da- you the listener can download all of this. Um, from github the, the the survey results in in uh, machine readable format you know it's a tsv the graphs generated by the tools the tools that damien wrote the python code uh, network to go generously contributed all that to the project so if you want to go and write your own report you can do that if you want to look at the graphs we're looking at you can do that uh, but for, for that reason going forward uh, the the post survey part of the work which is a which was a big amount of work is going to be a lot less in future years so i definitely would like to see us do this uh, every year or at the maximum every two years uh, because going back to what you we're talking about with trends I think by having a three-year gap, we didn't get to follow the trends during those three years. And so when we looked at, for example, um, Ansible versus Puppet versus, versus Chef as a trend in 2016, uh, Ansible wa- had more people looking at it. But um, you, at the time, it looked like Puppet and Chef, based on the number of people interested and in looking at it based on Mindshare, th- maybe they were going to catch up you know you couldn't predict that and by skipping three years we missed the fact that a lot of people who were interested in ansible put it in production a lot of people who were interested in puppet and chef did not um i think if if, if we go to a yearly survey uh, we'll be able to follow the trends more closely and we won't get big surprises of, of things that come out of nowhere quote unquote like Nornier and things that kind of fall off the fall off the map so suddenly
0: and then going into the, the 2019 survey, you obviously added a lot of questions, right? You, you, you pivoted and, and made a little bit more about the problem set as opposed to the tool set. What was kind of the process on deciding new questions? Actually, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. Uh, we didn't have so much so many questions. We
2: we are trying. One of the goals is try to, st- as much as possible, to use the same question to be able to compare them over time. Because if we change the questions too much, it becomes really hard to uh, to do that. So we don't want to be stuck and not evolve. Like Actually, uh, this year, I think we, we changed some questions around uh, monitoring and anomaly detections and all that. I think the, we had some questions in 16 that, that wasn't making a lot of sense. So we changed that. We added the new section about, um, about how the transitioning. Uh, but most of the other questions, I think, remain the same. Um and and I I think it's a it's a it's a goal of the project, as long as those questions make sense of course. But uh and what we did when, when Francois was talking about the tool was that we actually invested to make sure that we're able to uh put all the results in the same database um and we're able to have like the proper relationship between the questions and the response year over year so that we can easily get these analytics and generate those graphs and and really compare things and and uh, and so on so um,
1: yeah it's important to keep the um, a lot of questions relatively close to each other from year to year so you can find out trends if if 100 people were to come to us and say hey here's 100 new questions for 2020 um, and we were to to roll those into the survey we would it would completely mess some of the trending data we're looking at so so we're, we're trying to move slowly from a question modification set and be very conservative with that uh, in order to have things that resemble themselves over year to year. Now, the, the answers can can change. You know, there may be a tool uh, or or trend that comes up, but the overall question about tools or trends would try to keep us, uh, I don't want to say static, but to evolve very slowly.
0: So I guess going into the 2020 um, report... You know, you mentioned that you have a a small or, you know, a a confined social circle that you've been using to articulate that the survey is coming out. Um, Do you also intend to share that out in advance to see are there tools that are missing in the question set? You know, is there kind of like a request for comment in terms of what should be the questions or are you you pretty well uh, decided on that on your own?
1: No, There's really um, two two phases to, to the survey and each phase has a social component um, a, a marketing component if you want to use that word um, the first phase is uh, rounding up the community and getting input and uh, that's something that we do um, late summer early um, early fall you know august september time frame um, so you'll see us reach out to everybody we know saying hey please bring your input tell tell us Uh, what questions we should add, what uh, possible answer we should have in the multiple choice questions, um, the file issues on on GitHub, uh, come join the Slack, just send us a message on Twitter. I mean, however you want to communicate with us, be part of the community uh, to def- to define the questionnaire. That's the first uh, outreach effort. And then after that, we finalize the questionnaire as, as a group. And then there's a second outreach effort, which is reaching out to... Uh, respondents and 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 getting answers. Um, realistically, uh, we're, the the first effort is probably going to get twenty or thirty people to help us. The goal of the second effort is to get hundreds and hundreds of people. So there's two back to back social outreach effort, and 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 we'd like to reach as many people as we can in both phases.
0: And so, Damien, I know you've been out doing some some talks recently about this report. I, I imagine Francois will be doing that uh, relatively soon as well. You know, what has been the reaction uh, to folks, you know, when you're out there giving this, this presentation? Are they, are they responding well to it? Are they excited? Do they want to get involved? What's been kind of that public feedback?
2: Uh, the overall feedback is very positive. Um, I think uh, I got a lot of the questions about make sure the, the quality of the data is, uh, is good. And I think it's uh, those are fair questions because you know it's it's a new type of survey, as as Francois explained. There are some challenges, the fact that the results are anonymous. But um, and uh, and yeah, I, I definitely got some um, some soft commitment that you know when the time comes next fall, we'll uh, we'll get more more inputs and more help, and uh, and hopefully also more uh, supports to uh, to promote uh, when uh, usually. We accept responses like for months, like the months of uh, the months of uh, October. So hopefully, we'll get uh, we'll get more help and on that. And, and just to um, sorry, slide pivot on that, but uh, there's actually something I just to get people excited. Like for example, for me, what, I, what I'd love to do is uh, since we have all those those tools now, is be able to uh, if we had let's say over a thousand responses, we'll be able to slice and dice all the questions per vendor or per like for example when you look at what tools are using to generate your configurations we could start looking at our you know cisco customers using different tools than than Arista customers or or juniper customers i i personally am i'm waiting you know uh I'm really eager to to see those those data. Right now, honestly, we were three hundred responses. We don't have enough uh, depth in the data to do that. Uh, but I think that's gonna be the next phase. like when we get that, we're gonna see some amazing uh, data coming out. Uh, or you know, the large network, because we also have a question about how many network devices actually do you manage. Like are the, the the group and the organization managing over twenty thousand devices using different tool sets and are, are they making different choices than you know the organizations managing less than a thousand devices. You know, like I think um once we get to this this uh, large number of responses that that will be uh, extremely insightful and I'm, I'm super excited with that. That's why we need to make it
3: happen. <laughs> yeah, that like could, I, could help because I do think that just having these conversations with, with a lot of my customers, it just depends on their size. A lot of the smaller customers say, I'm interested, but you know, there's, there's challenges around the tooling and learning and whatever, and how much advantage do I really get? Whereas if you look and say, well, <clears throat> other smaller customers are doing this, this, and this, and they're finding those advantages, it might give you some ammo. Right, like if you were it, if you were interested in doing it yourself, or like you said, even from a from a vendor perspective of particular vendors, if if you run Cisco gear, this is what other people running Cisco gear are using and finding successful automation. Um, there might also be you know one of the things that's missing just as a <clears throat> perspective in there is there, there's no real scale of how successful these deployments are. Like you ask the questions about. You know, like, what are you using? What's in production? What's there? But, like, what's the level of satisfaction with those tools as well? Because I think that, you know, that might be an interesting dynamic as well. So, just my little two cents off the cuff as I'm calling you on the spot on a live podcast. But, you know, um, just uh, something to think about is is looking at looking at that as well.
2: That's actually great. I'm, um, you know what? You should open an issue on GitHub and propose that and start the discussion.
1: Oh,
3: now, now you're really trying to rope me in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see the writing on the right wall here. here.
1: Th- thank lead you. by thank example you. Thank, <laughs> thank you for your volunteering we really appreciate it
3: oh look at that <laughs> yeah
1: it's actually a good point you make because right now uh, when we look at trends we ask people you know uh, the possible answers are uh in production evaluating thinking about it no interest i don't know maybe another possible stage of the life cycle is i tried it and i've given up on it or i tried it and sucked, something like that uh, so that's definitely something worth considering for 2020.
2: That's a good, yeah. That's a good one, and uh, and, and and back to this idea, like we, we should have more way to slice and dice. Because the truth is, there's now we will never have a single tool. Like I think you know that's what's great about the automation and all that is, like we we have a lot of tools, and and they all have a place. Like on on a day to day, I recommend uh, for the same use case, different tool to different customers because they have different skill set internally, they have a different landscape, like there's not one solution like uh, out there so you know once we have more data we'll we'll definitely be able to uh, to capture that with more granularity that will be uh, very interesting
1: yeah that that's one of the really interesting type of data points that we got out of the survey was not just the ranking of answers, you know like um, for tools uh, ansible first and something else second but it was also for multiple choice question and all the questions were were, were multiple choice uh, all the questions about tools and trends were multiple choice, getting a count, an average count. You know, you're, you're, our average respondent was using more than four different network operating systems. Our average respondent is using more than two tools. Uh, and so you can draw conclusions from that. Uh, one of the ones that Damien Dem- found, for example, is if you think about it, most Ansible users also use something else. So yes, everybody's using it, but what else are they using with Ansible? You know, that, that's the kind of deep diving and, and slicing that... Uh, uh, Damien's tools are allowing us to do. And 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 I think over time, as we get more answers um, in volume, we'll be able to get more interesting answers in that area.
2: And uh, Ricky, just to get back to one point you were saying, so um, I'd like to make one point. I think it's important to me. Like I, As you mentioned, I've been doing, like I, I got a chance to present at uh, the last Nano in San Francisco. Uh, and so the goal was, so basically the presentation was about Half of you know the result in the survey, and it was like my own analysis on it. And and I just want to make sure that people understand the distinctions. Like for me, the result is uh, is agnostic. Like you know, numbers are numbers. Like when we published the result with François, we didn't put any analysis on it. We just took the data and created graphs, and we put that online, and that's the official survey result. And then you know it's uh, it's on each one of us to actually make their own analysis. And so when I'm going actually out there and, and promoting uh, the survey, but I'm also I think people actually asking for it. They, they want to have at least one perspective on it. So I'm presenting my own, but I wouldn't call it the the view of the survey. Like uh, you know, if you don't like my analysis of those data, don't don't reject the survey itself. Because again, I will encourage you. Write it down. Write your own analysis. Go do a presentation of your own using this data. Actually, I'll, I'll be happy if someday I get rejected because somebody else is presenting in a better way the result of this survey at at whatever conference. And they're saying, oh, "Sorry, somebody else is doing it." I will be happy. i like, you know, that's that's where we uh, we actually have, have quote unquote won, uh, and and we have a real community and we have more people that are expressing their opinion. Like so. Um, yeah, please keep in mind the distinctions about uh, personal opinion and analysis and, and what the project is about.
1: Yeah, that, that's what really attracts me to this project is that, that open source mentality. The more people use it, the more people participate, the more we win. You know, None of us have any sense of ownership on any of this, uh, neither as individual or or our employers.
0: Yeah, I think that's you know such a great great resource for everybody involved in the network automation community, right? And, and we 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 say community, and we I think we genuinely mean it, right? Like this is a group of people with common common interests, common goals, helping each other, right? And I think that is uh, was the driver for a lot of different tools initially. You know, it's a driver for a lot of different uh, material and content. And for me, the the report is really just kind of codifying that data, right? Like if we were to run an automation tool you know we get all these different metrics about how this tool ran what worked what didn't work this is a little bit more meta right like this is results for this net devops journey right this is really codifying that in a point in time of where we're at today yeah yeah it's a good,
2: uh, good summary
1: yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see the human aspect of it over time. Also, see see if uh, if people transition into network engineers differently. You know, if 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 they have to do it less on their own time, if, if they if they get more training, it's going to be interesting to track that also over time. This was the first year asking those questions, but uh, the evolution over time of the human answer is going to be useful
0: too. Great. So I mean, you know, we we've kind of implied it, but how do folks get involved in two thousand twenty? You know, is it GitHub? What can they do? You know, what's our call to action to our listeners or, or anybody else who might be consuming the report?
2: So the two main point of contacts will be uh, Slack. So from the beginning we had a, a channel on the network to code the Slack channel, so Net DevOps underscore Survey. So there's not a lot of activity, but everybody's there. So if you have any questions, anything to ask, that's uh, that's there. And otherwise on uh, GitHub. So it's gonna be uh, GitHub.com/slash dgeros slash netdevops dash survey. So that's the project itself. And uh, here we actually have all the results, all the questions from the previous years. And uh, everybody's uh, feel free to, uh, uh, I will encourage maybe to start the discussion first. Like if you want to ask questions, like start an issue, propose something. Francois and I are monitoring that closely, closely. start a discussion and then, you know, uh, hopefully turn that into a, a pull request to actually make the, make the change. And of course, Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, I think we're both active on uh, on that. So uh, um, I'm personally uh, uh, D-A-M Garros on uh, Twitter. And so feel free to uh, ping us on Twitter uh, also to to get started on the conversation.
1: Yes, yeah, same for me. Uh, LinkedIn and Twitter are the best ways to get a hold of me beyond the, the network to code Slack. Um, on Twitter, I'm uh, F, like Francois, underscore Kane, my last name, C-A-E-N. And uh, just find me by name on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. Well, Jordan, I think... Uh... You know, you, you're a known entity on your, your own podcast channel, but how do folks get a hold of you? <laughs> yeah, it's a little it's a little strange being the, the guest on the show, right? Or the the co-host
3: here. So uh, yeah, so I'm I'm at BC on Twitter. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search for my name. I'm happy to connect with you there as well.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm Rick Sherman. The easiest way to get a hold of me is also the network to code slack, slack.network to code.com. Also on Twitter, ShermDog01. Until further notice.
3: If you enjoyed this episode, there's quite a catalog of uh, networking geeky goodness that you can find on networkcollective.com. If you'd like to subscribe and have these episodes pushed to you as soon as they're released, Network Collective can be found on all the regular podcast sites like iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and the like. We also like to engage with our audience on social media, so you can follow us at CollectivePC on Twitter and as Network Collective on both Facebook and LinkedIn. So uh, Network to Code is a fantastic partner in bringing lots of great automation knowledge and capability to the show. Uh, if you are interested in automation, I can think of no better place to start than their free Slack, which the guys mentioned. Uh, you can register for that at Slack.NetworkToCode.com. Uh, you should also take a few minutes to check out their site networktocode.com to see how they might be able to help you on uh, any type of uh, networking automation initiatives you might have going on. And so, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time.